right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason and I'm your host. Thanks for joining me today. This is the show where we're looking at investment banking concepts so that you are prepared for your interviews, for your recruiting process. And guess what? I'm going through the journey along with you. I'm still very early in my journey, but I've learned so much in the last couple of months as I have jumped into this process headfirst, <laughs> learning as much as I can in as short of a time period as I can as I prep for my own coffee chats and interviews and eventually super days once I get to that point later down the line. And so I want to share the knowledge that I'm learning with you. And today we're going to be talking about an overview of investment banking as an industry. If you are not from a financial background professionally like I am, you're probably wondering like, what's going on here? What does this universe actually look like? And there are so many great resources online. There are blogs, there are articles, there are people that you may be able to talk to, especially if you've already been admitted to an MBA program, or even if you're an undergraduate and you have other people at your school that you're connected with. But from my perspective, I was like, there's not any podcasts, at least that I've seen <laughs> out there that really cover these things. So I want to talk about that with you today on this show. So let's go ahead and look at an overview of investment banking as an industry. Now, when it comes to investment banks, and for the purposes of this conversation, I'll be talking specifically about investment banking firms in the United States. I don't really have knowledge outside of that. So I'm going to stay in that lane because that's what I'm recruiting for. And you may be recruiting for U.S. banks also. So even within the U.S., though, there are so many investment banks in America. And there's over 600 plus firms, actually. When I really looked into it, I saw, wow, there were so many names that I just had not heard of before. Of course, you're probably going to hear about some of the bigger names, and I'll be sharing some of those here in this episode. But there's over 600 firms in the country. And really, when it comes down to it, though, the majority of recruiting at MBA programs is usually focused on a much smaller pool. There's about 30 or so bigger firms that tend to recruit at the top MBA programs and also at the undergrad level as well. And so those are kind of the main players that you'll probably be looking at. You'll see them at information sessions. You'll read about them uh, for certain transactions that you're researching or just in the news, maybe just reading the Wall Street Journal one day which I advise you should do. <laughs> I need to get on that myself. But essentially, there's about 30 firms. And one question that we want to ask ourselves is, how do we categorize these firms? You'll hear a couple of different terms, and I want to introduce these to you if you're not already aware. So there's a couple of different ways that people categorize these firms in the investment banking universe. There are bulge bracket companies. There are boutique companies. And there are middle market companies, and they have many different focuses. So what do those things mean? Well, first, we'll start with bulge brackets. Bulge bracket companies, these are banks that are the biggest banks around, the ones that you and I probably have our money with. <laughs> these are companies like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. These are the biggest of the biggest that do D 
deals in the billions of dollars. And they have teams of hundreds and hundreds of investment bankers, as well as many other professionals in other areas of the business supporting them in their work. And yeah, so that's what a bulge bracket company is. There are also a type of investment bank called boutique firms. Boutique firms may actually be quite large, uh, but not quite as large as a JP Morgan Chase or Morgan Stanley. But these are the investment banks that usually have a little bit more specialization. That's a main difference between a boutique and a bulge bracket. So these are firms like Evercore or a Guggenheim or a Centerview Partners. These types of firms may hire many bankers, but they're usually a little bit more specialized. Uh, just by way of example, Evercore used to be primarily mergers and acquisitions advisory, but they've since branched out into other areas, other business lines where they're servicing clients. So that's just an example. And then the third type is middle market. These are the type of firms that you might not hear about as much, but they are still very much alive and well and doing big things in the investment banking universe. Middle market, as the name implies, is somewhere in the middle. They're not necessarily doing deals of a small size, but they're not usually doing the deals in the billions and billions of dollars like the bulge brackets. So they're dealing with companies, usually somewhere from my research, I've read that somewhere in the 50 million to 500 million and up range as far as transaction size. Uh, but they do a lot of business. So some names in this group would be firms like William Blair, Houlihan, Loki, and Jeffries, just to name a few. And all these examples are generally pretty big companies. Again, the 30 or so biggest investment banks tend to be the ones that recruit the hev most heavily on campuses, but there are certainly other firms that recruit too. Uh, but just know that there's a ton of banks out there doing all sorts of different work and they specialize in different things. So what is the experience going to be like as an investment banker working at these different institutions? Well, of course, it's going to be specific to that bank. But generally speaking, if you're at a bulge bracket, you're going to be working most likely on higher profile deals, deals that have bigger transactions. But you'll also be working in more of a team environment. Your specific role might be more specialized as an associate or an analyst. Compare that to something at a boutique firm or a middle market firm where, yeah, you may not be working on deals that you would read about on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, but you may be working on more deals and you may be working on leaner teams, which means that your learning curve on the team is probably going to be a little bit more accelerated than your peers at some other bigger banks, bulge bracket banks. So there's just different work styles and different things that you'll encounter between these different bank types. And this is, again, not from my personal experience, but from talking with bankers and beginning to have these coffee chats and talking with alums, it seems like these are the main differences. Another concept within the industry that I want to share with you is this concept of industry versus product groups. Now, we talked a little bit about what investment banking firms do, 
which is they help clients make capital transactions. But how are they actually organized? What do you actually do in the role? Well, there are two main ways to think about it. And one is by industry and the other is by product. So first off, by industry, you're organized into a specific group that covers that industry. And these are some examples of the industry groupings. You have TMT, which stands for Technology, Media, and Telecommunications. You have FIG, or you'll hear it referred to as FIG, Financial Institutions Group, or FSG, Financial Sponsors Group. Now, I was a little confused because I didn't understand the difference between Financial Institutions Group and Financial Sponsors Group because they both relate to finance, but (laughs) here's the difference. Financial Institutions Group, you're working with financial institutions, companies like insurance companies, wealth management companies, those kinds of businesses. Whereas with financial sponsors group, you're more so working with allocators of capital who want to work with the bank in order to buy and sell deals. So think about private equity firms, for for example. Then you have other product groups. For example, you could be in an industrials group where maybe you're covering aerospace and defense companies or logistics companies or transportation companies or all sorts of other types of industrial-related businesses. Or maybe you're in power and energy, renewable energy, or oil and gas, or healthcare, or technology. These are all different types of industry groups. They're all sectors of our economy that are vital for the functioning of society. And the way that A lot of these investment bankers work is in a specific team and they cover just those types of companies and they specialize in it. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other way that you could be grouped is into a product group. So product group is not so much about the industry, but more so the type of transaction that's going on. For example, you could be working in equity capital markets. So this is where a company would actually go public, for example, and have an IPO. Someone needs to create that stock and sell it on the stock exchange. And the investment bankers who work in equity capital markets, guess what? They're the ones who are actually doing that work. They're helping this company go public. It's an amazing thing. And then it's not just about equity, though. There's the debt capital markets. What if a company needs to raise money and actually sell bonds and issue money to investors so that they can do certain company transactions. Well, there's a whole group dedicated to that. And then you have your bread and butter M&A, mergers and acquisitions. One company wants to buy another company and they want to figure out how to do it or companies want to merge in some way. How do you figure out what the smaller company is worth and how much should you pay for it? And are they going to take your offer? And do you want to pay for it all in a cash deal? Do you want to pay for it with a combination of cash and company stock? What's the ratio of that stock and cash going to be? These are all things that go into your valuation and in your modeling. So that's kind of like the bread and butter of of many investment banking firms is really strictly M&A, but that is a large product group in and of itself. And then you have things like restructuring. So if a business is struggling and let's say it has too much debt and its cash flows are not covering its obligations, well, it may need to go into bankruptcy court and get restructured. And how that happens is very specialized. And there are investment bankers who work specifically with companies who are distressed, who are in those kinds of situations. 
So those are some examples of product groups. So you have industry groups and then you have product groups. And when you interview with investment banks, you should have some sense of what kind of products or industries that you are more drawn to that you would be interested in and make sure that the bank you're interviewing with has that kind of uh, of specialty available. Um, So those are some things to think about. Another thing that I want to touch on now that we've kind of gotten to the nitty gritty of industry and product and those kinds of things is, all right, this sounds like a lot of work (laughs) and it is a lot of work. How long are you going to be working when you're working in these jobs? Now, my friends, I want to be clear that investment banking is not for the faint of heart. If you've made it this far into the episode so far, you're probably at least somewhat interested in investment banking, but just as a reality check right now, yo, investment banking associates and analysts work long hours. And when I say long hours, I'm not talking 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week. I'm talking about 80 or 100 hours a week potentially in many scenarios. And it's just a very grueling industry in that sense. So expect to work on Saturdays. Expect to work maybe even Sunday mornings or late into the night. Uh, One thing that I have learned is that since the pandemic, there has been an industry shift a little bit to people working from home in the evenings more so. So one bank that I was talking with the other day said that their bankers, you know, they're in the office all day, but then by seven o'clock at night, it's pretty much empty because everyone had gone home had dinner with their family, and then they opened up their laptop at night and continued to work into the night. So lifestyle-wise, it seems like things are a little bit better than they used to be. I mean, I've heard about the old days from some people, and it sounds like, whoa, it was really intense. So things are definitely a little bit better on the lifestyle front, but make no mistake, this is a grueling industry. It requires a lot of energy, a lot of stamina, and a lot of long hours. So that's kind of what you can expect as a banker. Okay, now that we've gotten the reality check out of the way, I want to just touch on one more thing before we wrap up today's episode. And that is to talk about locations, geographic locations, because this is an important point related to that of lifestyle. Now, as you may or may not know, the epicenter of investment banking in the United States is in New York City. New York City is where a lot of things are happening. That's where a ton of banks are. And some banks are only located in New York City. So keep that in mind. You may be totally okay with that. And that's exactly where you want to be. You want to live in New York City and experience that lifestyle and no problems. You may have other considerations and maybe you want to live somewhere else in the United States. Well, there are other cities that have a good amount of investment banks. The primary ones other than New York City being Chicago and Illinois, as well as San Francisco out in the Bay Area. And these locations have different, tend to have different products or industry groups that they specialize in. For example, a lot of banks that have presences in San Francisco are really into tech and have their technology groups out there, or maybe their healthcare groups out there. If you want to live in Houston, Texas, for example, virtually all the investment banking activity in Houston, Texas at least that I've seen from my research, 
is related to the oil and gas industry or, or energy in general industry. And so if you want to work in energy as an investment banker, you're probably going to move to Houston, Texas. But if you're not interested in energy and you want to be in Houston, Texas, you may want to rethink your strategy. So there's some little nuances like that in terms of geographic location. And there are other locations other than just those cities. Uh, but I just wanted to name a few. So you have New York City, you have Chicago, you have San Francisco. They tend to have big offices over there. And there are also offices in other major cities like Charlotte, North Carolina. I mentioned Houston, Texas already. Richmond, Virginia, Atlanta is a relatively new one, I think. But some banks have offices over there. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Dallas, Texas has some offices. It just depends on what you want to do and where you want to be. So keep that in mind when recruiting, because especially if you go to a top MBA program, it seems like the majority of the recruiting is geared toward funneling you to New York City, which uh, especially if you go to a top MBA program on the East Coast, then that's going to be the natural bias, right? Because schools want to recruit in, on campuses near where they are. Um, and then likewise for schools in the Midwest or on the West Coast. So keep that in mind if you care about location, if you have specific requirements for where you want to live in your life as an investment banker. So those are the things that I wanted to share with you today. That is a broad, very broad big overview of the investment banking industry. I try to include the parts that I think are the most important and the most relevant for you coming into this recruiting process like I am. And so I hope that was helpful. Uh, but that's all I've got for you today. Next time, I'm going to be talking about the recruiting process. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about the recruiting process for MBAs. But as I understand it, it is a similar process for analysts as well. But that's what I'm, what I'm going to be talking about next time. So be sure to listen to that episode next. And until then, take care and have a great day.